All I know is destroy. That's all I know. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. The NBA season is two days away, one day away, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. So we are getting ready to get back into the swing of regular season Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and which we uh, every day look at the games from that day and also preview the games uh, for the coming day. So what we're going to have in today's show is we're going to be doing a week one preview. So looking at you guys who are setting lineups for weekly leagues, talking about some streaming strategy, going over some rotational news, going over other news, going over injury news, a whole primer for the beginning of the NBA season with a focus on week one in the NBA. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. Uh, he's super keen, ready to get kick, kicked off with this, or tipped off, might the, uh, the term be, for this NBA season. What we're going to do again, start off here, just looking at some news that's gone down over the last few days that may be of interest to us in fantasy basketball circles. We'll start off by talking about Alex Len in Atlanta. We'll talk about this a little bit more with the injuries, but Dwayne Dedman, The Undertaker, and The Baptist, John Collins, they're both going to be out for opening night. Collins is going to miss at least three games. He's going to be reevaluated on October 22nd, so some more time missed there. So Len is going to be the starting center, and assuming he stays out of foul trouble, he's going to be playing a ton of minutes. Miles Plumley is the other center on that roster. There's the wizard, Amari Spellman as well, who's not really ready for full-time role. So Len is a guy that you need to be looking at and needs to be picked up off the waiver wire. He'd been playing fairly strongly throughout the preseason, and the opportunity is there for him to begin the season. Let's talk Jabari Parker now for the Bulls. It has been a disaster for him so far in the preseason. It looks like he will be coming off the bench to begin the season, not starting at small forward with Justin Holiday likely to take that spot, depending on the health of the hammer. Denzel Valentine with Punch Bob Shiploak, Bobby Portis starting at power forward. So while I, I do think that if you do own Jabari Parker, you need to be holding on to him. If for some reason you're still waiting on a draft, and I say that in uh, in, in four hours' time, I'm doing another draft. Yeah, Parker's value does take somewhat of a hit, but I still think he's fine in that 80 to 100-ish type of zone with that scoring upside. But of course, when Larry Markin returns, if they're committed to playing Parker as a power forward only, and they're not going to play him at small forward, then I don't know where the minutes go between him and Punch Bob and Markin. And it could be really disastrous for Jabari as he moves forward into this season. It was not I didn't like the contract at the time. It's turned shitful now. His attitude is piss poor as well. So we'll see how this all pans out. But it, uh, it's looking like another interesting uh, situation for the Chicago Bulls heading into the season. I want to talk Detroit Pistons. It looks like Reggie Bullock and Stanley Johnson will be the starting shooting guard and small forward, respectively. Dwayne Casey was adamant that Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond are locked in as starters. And then the question was posed, you know, the other two positions, he said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, I think you can take quite a bit of information out of how we ran our rotations in the last game, and that meant Bullock and Johnson were starting. I don't think either of those guys are must-own players. Bullock is a three-point specialist who does it on high efficiency. 
He does nothing else. Stanley Johnson can get you some steals and assists, which can be useful, especially out of position assists, but his percentages and scoring are absolutely woeful. So I think both of those guys are very team-specific, team-dependent, and more stream guys than must-own waiver-wire guys. It puts a little bit of a cramp into the Luke Kennard hype that I was hoping for this season, and I just wish they'd get him out there because he needs to be out there to develop with this team, but it doesn't look like Casey is ready to do that just at this point for Luke Kennard. Demontis Sabonis... We heard this last season from uh, Nate McMillan. Oh, we want to see them play together, him and Miles Turner. And we thought we heard him say it this offseason. And now he's come out and said, well, I don't think we're actually going to see that because it doesn't work. No shit, it doesn't work. They're not a great pairing together. I believe they played about a minute together during the preseason. So this really does limit, I think, both Turner and Sabonis' upside. It limits Turner's upside because if Sabonis is playing well, He's going to come in and cut Miles' minutes. They're not going to play together. And if Miles is playing well, it's going to cut into Sabonis' playing time. So I think you've got 48 minutes per game at center. Do you get 30 out of Turner and 18 out of Sabonis? Or do you get 28 and 20? Or do you get 24 and 24? That puts a real dampener on both of those guys. I've been down on Turner as opposed to a lot of people this preseason. And this further confirms why I wasn't so big on him heading into the year. And I think this puts a real cap on what he can do. And is he going to come out and play... If he played 34 a night, then they're going to be playing 14 minutes to Sabonis. I don't think that's what the Pacers want to do. Now, I think Sabonis is still an okay pick at the end of the draft, but it does really piss on his parade in terms of overall value for this season. And I think it does the same for Miles Turner as well. My mate Christian Wood ended up making the roster with the Milwaukee Bucks. I've been talking about this guy for quite a few years. I talked about him significantly during Summer League, and now he has a roster spot. So for those of you in Dynasty Leagues, Deep leagues, Wood is someone who can contribute. He blocks shots, he can hit threes, he can score, he can rebound, he can do it all. But for standard leagues, pay attention. We still have Brooke Lopez as the starting center. The Muppet John Henson is still around. Thon McCurr is still around. And then you've got Christian Wood. And maybe you say he can play power forward. But of course, you've got Yanni Antetokounmpo and Ersan Ilyasova in front of him in that position as well. There's DJ Wilson. I wouldn't worry about him. He's shit, shit house and uh, Christian Wood's already better than him. But Wood is not someone that I'm grabbing off a waiver wire in a 12 or 14 team league. He's not someone I'm taking with a last pick. But it is something to pay attention to. Because as as the season progresses, he could very well vault ahead of the Muppet or ahead of McCurr into that backup center role. Just the way things stand at the moment, I don't quite think he's there. But his preseason was very, very impressive. I thought he put up some really strong numbers. No, I thought he did put up some really strong numbers during the preseason. Every time that he's been playing at any sort of level, you see the talent from Christian Wood. We just have never seen a real significant opportunity, and I'm not sure the significant opportunity is necessarily here. But averaging 13-7 and with a block and a three in 19 minutes in the preseason is obviously really impressive. Getting those 19 minutes during the regular season is probably going to be somewhat of a stretch. But it's a, it's a name to pay attention to as he is on a roster. They waive Tyler Zeller and Tim Frazier to give him that 15th roster spot uh, on the Milwaukee Bucks. I want to tell you about the guys who are very kindly presenting today's podcast, and that is Vivid Seats. If you want to get yourself tickets to an NBA game, the season's here, boys. We're two days, and girls, we're two days away. Go to Vivid Seats and make sure you are using our promo code. Everyone loves a night out, whether it is sport, whether it's concerts, theater, comedy, whatever it is, Vivid Seats should be your go-to app to go and get tickets. 
Live events are once in a lifetime, maybe twice in a lifetime type opportunities for certain events anyway, and getting them at an affordable price is always a key way to go about it. So go and download the app from the App Store and from Google Play, that's Vivid Seats, but use our promo code Locked On, and that will give you $20 off a $200 or more purchase for first-time customers. So use that promo code Locked On with the Vivid Seats app and save yourself $20 on any order of $200 or more. There's a 100% buyer guarantee with Vivid Seats well download the app use the promo code and we all win let's move on to the next bunch of news in the nba that we need to touch on um jarrett jack in your lane some thought that he might be able to carve himself a regular season role this is more for deeper leagues he has been waived so he is not on the roster to begin the regular season there uh looks like they're going to be going with frank jackson and ian clark uh, backing up lord alfred payton so just be aware that jarrett jack is no longer on an nba roster with the Knicks, it's still undecided who the starting point guard would be at the time of recording between uh, Trey Burke and Frank Nilakina. I think that Burke is the superior fantasy option, but he's just a late-round type of player at this point. Frank can provide assists and steals, and I really just wish they'd give him that job. But with Burke, remember, I don't believe he's going to be able to do what he did last season where he shot a crazy percentage of, of uh, long twos and a crazy high percentage of making them. Those things aren't two things that normally go together. So I expect his two-point percentage to drop pretty significantly, and that's going to impact his overall value. One uh, one guy that is worth looking at is Hamadou Diallo, MC Hammer, over in Oklahoma City. Terrence Ferguson's dealing with a concussion. Alex Abrines is dealing with being shithouse. Um, uh, Andre Robertson is out. Russell Westbrook is likely out as well. And Diallo has played pretty well during the preseason. Now, I don't think he's that high of an upside guy. Out of all the 160 guys I projected coming out of college, he ranked 160th in terms of fantasy value on a per-minute basis. So that's terrible. Poor efficiency, not much in the rebound block steals uh, categories. Uh, assist categories, but an opportunity there, especially for DFS on opening night where the Thunder play and there's only two games on. MC Hamadou Diallo, if he does end up starting, would be worth a look at a really, really cheap price. I don't think that he's a must-grab guy for standard leagues, but might be worth a stream, which we'll talk about a little bit later on opening night. Uh, Johnny Isaac, it appears he's won the starting small forward job in Orlando ahead of Johnny Simmons and Terry Ross. He'll play some backup four as well. I think he is locked and loaded as a top 100 player. Those steals and block numbers, they're going to be there. And if the offense comes around, then uh, you're talking about a potential top 50 guy. You know I love me some John Isaac, and it does look like he is going to be the starting small forward for the Orlando Magic. With the Philadelphia 76ers, Markel Fultz will start games as the starting shooting guard. JJ Redick will start the second half as the starting shooting guard. I think that both of these guys are in that 100 to 120 type of range. I would have Fultz over Redick because of his ability to rebound, assist, steal, and block, which Redick can't do. But of course, efficiency is a problem with Fultz where it's not an efficiency, uh, not an issue with Redick at all. JJ is more of a last round type of second last round type of a player, that 120 type zone. I think for JJ is probably more, uh, more useful. Whereas Fultz, you could go 90 to 100, that sort of an area, with significantly larger upside with Fultz, which again is what we're pro- probably looking for more at the end of the draft. But Fultz is going to start. He won't he won't be playing 34 and I don't think, you know, 28, 29, that sort of playing time is probably realistic for Markel. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that all works out. But that's currently where we're sitting with the Sixers and uh and the Fultz Reddick situation. It looks like Devin Booker, much to my chagrin, he is going to be starred. Look, he looks like he could be ready for opening night. That's not a problem. I really enjoy that. But they're running him at shooting guard. What this means is they're going to push Josh Jackson to the bench. It cuts a lot of his value down. 
It hurts TJ Warren. It hurts McCall Bridges. It probably hurts Trevor Ariza marginally as well. And that means they're going to have to put one of these plethora of bullshit point guards in, whether that's um, uh, Big Shaq Harrison. Big Shaq. Whether it's Ali Okobo, I feel pretty confident that it won't be DeAnthony Melton. But the reports today are the Suns have offered a contract to Jamal Crawford. Now, if they get Jamal Crawford in there, it means they have to cut someone, whether that's Harrison or Davon Reed or Troy Daniels. It seems like a disastrous decision. Crawford is one of the best blokes in the NBA. He's had a fantastic career, but if we're going to be honest about it, he was probably the worst rotation player in the NBA last season. He does nothing to help this Suns team in terms of on-court play, and you can say leadership, that's fine, but isn't that what Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson, and Tyson Chandler are there for? I don't see any need. If you're coming in thinking that Jamal Crawford is going to be your starting point guard, then you're wrong. It's simple as that. And if this is James Jones' first move as GM, then it is not portending well for his reign as the Suns GM. Just don't like this decision at all. It's not confirmed at this point. But And again, if they do sign Crawford, he is not a standard league fantasy guy to me. He is a guy that you can stream in for some points and threes, maybe. But he just takes so much off the table with field goal percentage. Doesn't rebound the ball at all. Low assists, low steals, blocks. And he's, he's not a good NBA player at this point. Great career. Great bloke, fantastic bloke, but not not a guy that should be getting rotation minutes in the NBA at this point. So we'll see how that works out. The Sacramento Kings. I don't know fully what to believe with this team. I, I, I tell you what I do believe. Dave Yeager and Vladi Divac are terrible, and they shouldn't have jobs by the end of the season. Don't want anyone to lose their jobs, but they shouldn't be in these positions. The apparent Kings starters, and this could very easily change, we're looking at De'Aaron Fox, Frank Mason III, uh, Justin Jackson, not a starter caliber player. Nemanja Bielitsa at power forward and Willie Cauley-Stein at center. Although in the last preseason game, we saw Marvin Bagley starting. Um, there's just going to be ups and downs with this team all along. I don't think Frank Mason is a must-own if he's starting while Bogdan Bogdanovich is out. It doesn't do much to impact my thoughts on Heald. Why won't they just start him is completely baffling to me when you're trying to start a guy like Mason there. Nonsense. Uh, Yogi Ferrell is going to be in the rotation, as is Bagley and Giles, as likely the two backup bigs. And again, these are all last-round type of players, Bagley, Giles, even Corley Stein. The minutes are going to be up and down. The performances are going to be up and down. Uh, and the overall fantasy upside for these guys is all pretty limited, in my opinion. Uh, again, it does look like Bielitsa and Corley Stein will be the starting front court. But that doesn't necessarily mean that'll stick. They could throw Bagley in there over Bielitsa. Uh, Justin Jackson's not a fantasy guy at all. Even if he starts and plays 30 minutes, he is not good in the slightest. He does nothing but score and does that inefficiently most nights as well. In San Antonio, we know DeJounte Murray's out. Derek White is now out for two weeks to eight weeks. There's been conflicting reports. Uh, I would lean to more, more the later stage of that with that heel issue that he is having. So that means Bryn Forbes is going to be installed as the starting point guard. And let's be honest, Bryn Forbes is not a point guard. He is not that good of an NBA player and he's definitely not a good fantasy player. Paddy Mills will remain the backup and neither of those guys are must-own 12-team league players. They're more 14, but probably more 16-team league guys who can go out there and score and hit threes. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is probably going to lead this team in assists. Is Now, losing all these guards, Lonnie Walker is also out. No Manu, no Tony Parker. DeRozan is probably going to get a marginal bump, not necessarily in terms of usage because Bryn Forbes is going to use shots. We know that. But getting the assists, and I think Pau Gasol will have opportunities to run this offense as well. So his value rises slightly. Even though the minutes might be capped, his ability to distribute the ball and get assists 
does give him some value as a waiver wire type of target. So you can have a look there, but I'm not rushing to grab Forbes. I'm not rush, rushing to grab Mills outside of deeper type formats. Last bit of news I want to talk about is Alec Burks in Utah. He's had his career wrecked by injuries, but all reports coming from uh, from the Jazz, uh, you know, Tony Jones especially, talking about Alec Burks, and Tony, congratulations to Tony for getting the job with The Athletic. And guys, if you do, if you want to subscribe to Athletic, go and do it, because we've got a promo code, theathletic.com slash LockedOnNBA, less than $3 a month, 40% off the subscription price. Go do that. It's fantastic. But he's been talking about Alec Burks as a sixth man of the year candidate, how he's killing it in training camp. Now, we have uh, ravishing Rick Rubio and uh, and the Don Don Mitchell as the starters, no doubt. But then I thought maybe Dante Exum becomes that first guard off the bench. But with the way Burks is playing, he's yeah, got a chance to leap ahead of Dante and push ahead of Grayson Allen. So someone for more than 14 to 16 team leaguers who are looking for some point scoring. Alec Burks looks back, he looks healthy, and he's playing well. Not saying he's a must-own guy because he clearly isn't, but the, the buzz from him at the moment has been uh, has been pretty impressive, and that's something we do need to pay attention to. Now, guys, I do need to uh, do need to tell you uh, as well today. If your company is looking for a new way to reach uh, customers, your company could be mentioned right here, right now. Podcast listeners are sixty percent more likely to interact with sponsors that they hear on podcasts. I know myself; I am. I, I've got plenty of products uh, from sponsors from uh, from other podcasts and from this show. Our demogra- demographic is ninety eight percent male pretty aggressively male, and more education and more earning than traditional media audiences. So have your company sponsor this podcast. Get in contact with me by emailing at redrockfantasybasketball at gmail.com. Send me an email if you want your company advertised on this podcast. All right, what I want to do now is run through some injury news across the NBA, uh, talk about uh, some things that are going down. I already talked in Atlanta about uh, Johnny Collins and Dwayne Dedman missing the start of the season. I think Vince Carter is going to be the starting power forward for the Hawks, not necessarily meaning he's a guy to own. They've also got Justin Anderson sidelined with that leg surgery, so DeAndre Bembry probably gets some more minutes, but it's going to be Alex Len uh, and maybe even the wizard Amari Spellman, who, who has somewhat of value, more a deeper league for, for Spellman versus Len as a standard league guy. In Brooklyn, we've got Rondé Hollis-Jefferson still dealing with his groin injury. He did practice, so that's a good sign that he'll be ready for opening night. But if he, even if he is, I think his minutes will be limited in that first game of the season. And then you've got the blue swimmer, Alan Crabb, who has hurt that ankle a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago, sorry. I'm not sure he's going to be ready for opening night, but that opens up more for Jumpin' Joe Harris and Karis LeVert, of course. In Boston, the only real injury to pay attention to, Al Horford's dealing with a wrist, but he's going to be fine. Kyrie is dealing with some rib problems. If he is out, obviously Terry Rozier would be the guy. I don't think Kyrie is going to be out, though. In Charlotte, you've got Michael Kidd-Gilchrist still dealing with a concussion. If he misses time, it's more minutes for Marvin Williams and for Miles Bridges there as well. Um, yeah, they're, they're more stream type options rather than uh, rather than uh, must own type of guys in Charlotte. In Chicago, we know Larry Markinen is out. The hammer Denzel Valentine dealing with that ankle. I imagine Justin Holiday will go in starting at small forward with punch bob at power forward. Portis is the guy that you want to own. I think they'll also start Wendell Carter Jr. To be honest, so if he's on the waiver wire, grab him and Portis. Holiday can be streamed, but he's going to kill your field goal percentage. Um, and, and Valentine, if he starts, he can have value contributing across multiple categories. And as I said, if someone did drop Jabari, I'd be happy to go pick him up and just see where this all goes with him. 
In Cleveland, a few injuries for us to pay attention to. Kevin Love, Rocket Rodney Hood, Larry Nance Jr. and Chetty Osman all dealing with uh, with some injuries. Nance an ankle and Osman a foot ankle issue as well. Love dealing with a sore foot. I imagine all of these guys are going to be ready for opening night or, or we hope they're going to be ready for opening night. In Dallas, Harrison Barnes, the pencil, and uh, and Dirk Nowitzki, they are going to miss the beginning of the season. So we're going to have, I think, Dorian Finney-Smith starting in place of Barnes. And then with Dirk out, it gives more minutes to Maxi Kleber, who's a little bit banged up himself. Uh, DeAndre Jordan didn't play in the preseason due to uh, bereavement, due to a death in his family, but he will be ready to go for the regular season. So don't look at his lack of preseason appearances and be overly concerned with that. In Denver, Michael Porter Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, Isaiah Thomas. These guys aren't going to be ready to start the season. You've also got the Blue Arrow and Gaz Harris, who were dealing with some injuries, but they are right to go, so nothing to be too worried about there. Stan Johnson in Detroit is dealing with a toe issue, but I think that there'll be no problem uh, with him outside of his inability to play basketball, but I think the toe issue will be uh, no, no problem there. For the Warriors, um, we know Boogie is out. Draymond is dealing with a knee issue. Now, he's going to play, but Steve Kerr said over the first few games he is going to limit his minutes. So that means probably a bump for Jordan Bell, who will be the backup power forward. Now, you're not dropping Draymond or anything like this, but I do worry about Draymond and this knee and what it means going through the season. Will he have games off? Will he play few minutes? Will he be less impactful, especially when Cousins returns? So I think that's a little bit of a worry with Draymond. I normally avoid him in fantasy drafts, as I've said many times, and this is just another reason why I'm not that keen on what, what we're seeing from him heading into the, the beginning of the season, unfortunately, for, for Draymond. Um, with uh, Houston, a few things. I think we're not going to have Brandon Knight there to start the season. Nene, shockingly enough, is dealing with an injury as well, as is Marquise Chris. If those guys are both out, then Isaiah Hartenstein is going to move into that backup role. And, you know, I'm a big fan of him. Joe Chi also dealing with, a, with an ankle problem, as is Michael. Michael Carter-Williams is dealing with a knee issue. So a few injuries in Houston, uh, and especially if we see uh, you know, Chris and Nene both out, then Hartenstein for deeper leagues would be someone to look at. In Indiana, Miles Turner uh, didn't practice due to an ankle injury. I imagine he will be fine, but it's something to bear in mind while Corey Joseph also dealing with some injury issues. Not really too much of a fantasy contributor is all Corey, but the, the, the big one we look at there is Miles. And of course, if Turner is out, then uh, Sabonis and then the cock monster Kylo Quinn would come in as the backup and, uh, and produce some big numbers like he does pretty much everywhere he plays. The only injury at the moment, Daniel Gallinari is health, healthy, in uh, LA with the Clippers is Luke Marmute. If he is out, I imagine we're going to have uh, um, Mike Scott, uh, Prison Mike. He might be able to jump into that rotation. He might be in the rotation anyway. Uh, the Clippers still have roster decisions to make in terms of waiving guys. Jawan Evans and Wes Johnson, the two guys I imagine get waived. Shea Gildress-Alexander is guaranteed rotation minutes. Doc Rivers said that. He, I think he only said six blokes had guaranteed minutes, and Shea was one of those players. Yes, it'll be off the bench behind Avery Bradley and Patrick Beverly, and there's still Lou Williams there. But Shea is going to get minutes, and at some point, if trades get made with this Clippers team, he is someone that you absolutely have to watch as we move forward. For the Lakers, quite a few injuries here. Brandon Ingram is dealing with a quadriceps issue. He'll be fine. Joshy Hart, the hitman, he's dealing with a hamstring. He'll be fine as well, while Contavious Caldwell-Pope is also dealing with um, a shoulder issue. He'll be fine. Lonzo Ball returned. He clearly outplayed Rajon Rondo in that first game and actually got more minutes than him. And while it's it appears like Rondo will start, I don't think you want anything to do with Rondo in... Um, in fantasy leagues at this point, outside of streaming, and Lonzo will get the bulk of the minutes basically from day one. Uh, Flaming Mo Wagner. Flames on me. 
He's still dealing with a bone bruise that he had in summer league, and he is not likely to begin the season, unfortunately, for him. In Memphis, Jermichael Green missed the final preseason game with a shoulder injury. If he is out, that would give Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., the chance to start. And I think if he starts opening night, then he won't cede that position back to Jermichael when he comes back. So that's something to 100% watch. If Green is out, then Jackson will start, and he will start all year would be my guess. If Green plays, that puts Jackson to the bench and limits his playing time. As dumb as it is, I think that's what they'll end up doing. Garrett Temple also dealing with an injury. You're not looking at Temple in many fantasy leagues. He's got to battle the two Brookses, Andy Harrison and Wayne Selden. Four minutes at the two, and none of those guys are going to get enough minutes. I don't think maybe Dylan Brooks to be uh, considerable fantasy assets. Uh, For Miami, uh, Dale Waiters, unlikely to be ready for the season opener. Same as uh, Jim Johnson with his hernia issue. And then you've got the Duke, Wayne Ellington, and the iron shoulder, Goran Dragic, who are both dealing with uh, lower leg injuries, knee for Dragic and ankle for Ellington. Both of those guys should be ready to play. Now, if, if, with Waiters out, we're going to see a bit more of Dwayne Wade, probably a bit more of Tyler Johnson. Maybe Derek Jones Jr. steps in and starts, which is a real possibility who the Heat seem to be pretty high on there as well. And with Johnson uh, likely out for the season opener, I imagine Kelly Olenek would step in at power forward with giving some extra minutes to Bam Adebayo and to Justice Winslow, who just signed that contract extension. In Milwaukee, Thon McCurr is uh, dealing with a, a knee issue. If he is out, then the Muppet will probably be the backup center. He may be the backup center anyway. And of course, I talked about Christian Wood a little bit earlier on on this show about what he has been able to do. In Minnesota, Justin Patton's out with a broken foot. It looks like Jimmy Butler's hanging around in Minnesota, and he will be there to start opening night. Friday is the Timberwolves' first home game. He wants the crowd to boo him. They should be booing the absolute shit out of everyone in this organization, uh, front office-wise, and Butler as well. It is going to be an absolute shit show, but he's going to start the season on this team. His value is going to be fine fantasy-wise. Just, again, a, a complete disaster of a team with what they're doing at the moment. For the Pelicans, Jilly Lokafor and Alexia Jins are both dealing with injuries, probably not rotation guys anyway, so very little for us to care about in that scenario. With the Knicks, we know Chris Dapps is out. He's probably going to miss the bulk of this season. Not much to see there. Uh, you've also got Courtney Lee, who is dealing with a neck problem through the preseason, but he looks like he's ready to go. I imagine his role will be significantly lower than what it was last season, while Mitchell Robinson also has an ankle injury. I think that you're going to see Robinson as the backup center on opening night. The other guy in in contention there is Noah Vonley, who's looked really good in preseason. Robinson's an interesting late-round pick, but if they go with Vonley as the backup center and start DMPing Robinson from day one, I think you have to cut bait on him there and, and try and grab him earlier on when the tea leaves start to, uh, to start to lean in that direction. For the Thunder, Russell Westbrook still recovering from that knee injury. We don't know if he's going to be ready to play for opening night. I'd guess that he won't, but there is still that possibility that he might be right. And of course, Andre Robertson is out with that knee injury. Alex Abrines also dealing with some issues in Terrence Ferguson with his concussion, which as I mentioned earlier, could open up that situation for MC Hamadou Diallo to start and maybe score, but I wouldn't be putting too much of uh, much hope into that. With Philadelphia, Mike Muscala, um, is doubtful for opening night with an ankle injury. Uh, Wilson Chandler's dealing with a hamstring injury. Jared Bayless has got a knee problem. And uh, Zaire Smith, DRC, he's dealing with a foot problem. All of those guys are going to miss opening night. Uh, Muscala and Chandler, probably the two rotation guys there that we need to pay attention to. So 
Probably some more minutes for Amir Johnson, some more minutes for Furkan Korkmaz as well. And I think Landry Shamet will be in the rotation from opening night. But these are really just deeper league type scenarios. Probably boosts Dario Saric's value a little bit as well. Gives him a little bit of extra playing time at power forward. For Phoenix, it looks like Devin Booker will be ready uh, for opening night. McCall Bridges also dealing with an elbow injury. I think he's going to be ready, but whether he's in the rotation or not with this nonsense of uh, playing a sub a subpar point guard means that all those other minutes at the two, three, and four get squished down. And I think Bridges might actually find himself out of the rotation. It's going to be him or Dragon Bender. We'll see which direction they decide to go. In Portland, Evan Turner and uh, and um, Mo Harkless dealing with injuries. Harkless did return in the pre. It was said he was going to be ready to return, then didn't actually return. He's an okay late round player in fantasy, but the upside is pretty limited. While Turner looks like he's going to be running a lot of the second unit in terms of point guard, so a streamable assist guy, but does very little else in the other areas. Let's talk Sacramento. Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to be out to begin the season for a few weeks. I like Bogdan. I think he's the King's best player. He can be a top 100 guy if they just actually run things through him and play him 32 minutes. But it's Dave Yeager, so the common sense approach probably doesn't apply uh, there. So Bogdanovich, if you don't have an IR spot, probably a little bit risky to hold on to him. In San Antonio, I talked about it already. Derek White is out. Bryn Forbes will start. Rudy Gay, they thought he could miss opening night. It looks like he'll be ready to play. I think that if he is on a waiver wire, Rudy Gay, he needs to be owned. Toronto, Norm Powell dealing with a thigh issue. There's a chance that he could push into CJ Miles' role for this season, but overall, there's just not going to be enough minutes as that 10th, 11th guy on the Raptors to really have too much of a fantasy impact. For the Jazz Hull, Neto's out for two more weeks with a hamstring injury. Probably not a rotation guy anyway. And then Dwight Howard with his busted ass is uh, questionable for opening night. If he is out, Yun Mahinmi and Jason Smith will take those center minutes. And you could stream Mahinmi in, but probably not. I don't think there's much you need to get too excited about that position for the uh, Washington Wizards. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about some other things now by looking at the schedule for the week ahead. And this is something I'm going to try and do this this uh, year. Is every week have a look at the team who has the best projected schedule and the team that has the worst projected schedule. So for week one, I'm looking at the New York Knicks as the team with the best schedule. They play three games and they play some pretty good teams in terms of high-paced and bad defenses. Their opening night game is against the Atlanta Hawks. Then on the Friday, they play the Brooklyn Nets. They do have a back-to-back against the Celtics, which, of course, they're a very good defensive team. But playing three games when the majority of teams play two games um, is important. And then those first two nights against Atlanta and Brooklyn, a high-paced team the Knicks are as well. So getting value out of guys like Hazonia, like Burke, like like Nilakina, Timmy Hardaway gets a boost, Mitchell Robinson perhaps, maybe it's Noah Vonleh. Uh, maybe it's Lance Thomas, who knows how it works, but there's a lot of value there with the Knicks as they have the best schedule for this week. And on the downside, the Washington Wizards, they play two games and they're against shit teams in terms of fantasy value you know, going against the Miami Heat with a very good defense. And then Toronto Raptors on the Saturday. The best thing I can say is that the Wizards play on a Thursday, which is a low volume day. So you might be able to stream guys in there. But overall, when we're talking about weekly lineups, they have the worst schedule by quite a significant margin for this coming week. Well, that's at least my view of it anyway. So let's get into talking about week one. And the value here now, as I've said already, teams are either playing three games or two games. I actually misspoke before. The majority of teams do play three games. The, the minority play two games for this week. So it's either three games or two games for this week. 
And there are only two teams that play, oh sorry, three teams that play two quality games. Now, what's a quality game, you might ask. Now, for me, and you can define this how you want on Basketball Monster, we have that in our league settings. But to me, a quality game is a day in the NBA where there are eight games or fewer on that day. And the reason that's a quality game is because if you have a packed schedule, a 10-game night, an 11-game night, if you go to add guys off the waiver wire, you'd add them, but they probably sit on your fantasy bench anyway. And the larger the bench you have, the more restrictive you have to be in terms of what that threshold is for a quality game. If you've got uh, you know, 10 starters and six bench guys, then your quality game you know, cutoff goes down to probably six. Whereas I've got it at eight for a standard 10 slash three, 10 starters, three bench guy type setup. So when we're looking at teams, when we're talking about weekly streaming, now weekly lock leagues are different because you're not worried about what days these guys play because you lock them in for the whole week. For daily changes leagues, you want to pay attention to where teams are playing. Because the Knicks, for example, they've got a great schedule in terms of playing three games, playing good opponents, but they play on Wednesday where there is a shitload of games. I probably should tell you exactly how many games that they actually has. So we've got, this is how the week goes. Two games on Tuesday, 11 games Wednesday, three games Thursday, nine games Friday, 10 games Saturday, and four games on Sunday. So the Knicks... Yeah, they go in there and they play Wednesday. It's a shitload of games. Friday, there's nine games. Saturday, there's 10 games. So you could add a guy off the waiver wire in a daily changes league, whether that is Mitchell Robinson or Mario Hazonia or Frank Nilakina, and they'd sit on your bench all of those days. Now that the matchups are positive, the Atlanta and Brooklyn one, so maybe someone like Hazonia or Trey Burke, if he's on the wire, who probably should be owned anyway, yeah, you might be able to get them into your active lineup. But in terms of you know, their three-game week versus the Sixers' three-game week, it's very different because the Sixers are one of only three teams in the NBA with two quality games this week. And in fact, the Sixers are the only team to have a quality game on Tuesday and a quality game on Thursday. So they are prime for streaming. And with those injuries, there are opportunities opening up. They play the Celtics on opening night Tuesday, and then they have the Bulls on Thursday, the only team without back-to-back. Now, in, in general, when there's lots of streaming opportunities, we're looking to minim- or to maximize our games played via acquisition. But with the way this week stretches out, you're probably going to have acquisitions left over. But Adding a Sixers guy for opening night, and then you've got a full roster for Wednesday, and then you get that game out of them on Wednesday, it does save you one of those acquisition moves. So you could be looking at someone, if JJ Reddick's on the wire, if Markel Fultz is there for some reason, maybe you want to look at Landry Shamet, maybe you want to look at Furkan Korkmaz, maybe you want to add TJ McConnell, who is probably going to get minutes if uh, Muscala misses time as well. Maybe you look at Amir Johnson and you can get two games for the price of one acquisition on days when you can actually use these players. And on opening night, you've only got four teams, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Warriors, and the Thunder. And yeah, outside of the, the main guys on the Warriors and the Thunder, there's very little fantasy value there. And for the Celtics, yeah, it's someone like Terry Rozier, it's Marcus Morris, it's Marcus Smart, it's maybe Aaron Baines that you have a look at adding. But there's very few options to add there. And the Sixers, you get that added benefit of adding someone on Tuesday, and they also can play Thursday. The other two teams that have two quality games this week are the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder and the Golden State Warriors. They played Tuesday, but then their other quality game doesn't come until Sunday. So it's not like you're going to add one of them on on Tuesday and then wait all week for them to sit on your roster and play Thursday. You know, are you adding Hamadou Diallo? Are you adding Damian Jones? Are you adding uh, Quinny Cook? Are you adding Alex Abrines, Patrick Patterson? Yeah, they're great for Tuesday, but you're not you're not adding them and then waiting and I can't wait till Damian Jones plays again on Sunday. 
because they do play again during the week. The Thunder play the Clippers on Friday, but you're not going to use that guy that you brought off the bench. The Warriors play the Jazz on Friday. You're not going to use that guy. You're not going to use Damian Jones on a nine-game slate, most likely, uh, in your active roster. So while they do have two quality games, that's great. It's not They're not bunched together. So you use them for the Tuesday, and you can go back and look at them on the Sunday, along with the Rockets, the Clippers, the Hawks, the Cavs, the Warriors, the Warriors, the Kings, uh, the Nuggets, and, and the Thunder, of course, with those games on Sunday. So there are other guys you can stream in there, whether that is... Alex Lynn, it's Vince Carter, it's the Wizard Amari Spellman, it's uh, Isaiah Hartenstein for the Rockets, it's Gilgis Alexander for the Clippers, it's Rocket Rodney Hood, it's Chetty Osman who should be owned regardless, it's Tristan Thompson maybe for the Cavs, um, maybe it's Trey Lyles for the Nuggets, there are going to be other options there. So while it's great, again, we can look at this and say quality games, that's great, they all have two quality games, but as I say, every three-game week is not built the same. Every two-quality game week is also not built the same. The Sixers' two-quality games is different than the Warriors' two-quality games. And it's important to be able to know that. So the quality days we're looking at are Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, as I mentioned. And the Sixers are the only team that plays on that uh, Tuesday, Thursday uh, pseudo back-to-back, as I, as I like to say on this podcast. Let's look at some players who I do think are worth looking at for this coming week through the injury, through the schedule, and guys that you can add. And potentially even now, these are guys that I look at and I talk about, you know, can you actually use them? I think that most of these guys I've mentioned here, if you add them before this week, you can actually play them nearly every game that they play because they will be top 100, top 120, top 70, top 60 in some cases players. And they might be sitting on your waiver wire. So I think it is important to have a look at them to see if they're around. I think they can help you for week one. Kelly Olenek, we've got no Jim Johnson. Olenek's good in his own right. Maybe he gets some minutes off Hassan Whiteside there as well. And the Miami Heat have a pretty strong game as, uh, week as well. Three games, they play one quality game on the Thursday. They've got the Magic on the Wednesday and the Hornets on the Saturday. But someone like Olenek, he's probably going to be in your best hand players on that Wednesday and on that Saturday, even if you did just pick him up off the waiver wire. So I think that he is someone that you want to look at adding. Alex Len, I've talked about him plenty for this uh, for this podcast The Hawks have three games. They're all away games, but I think he is going to be a clear top 100 guy for this week and probably will be useful on all of those days. Georgie Hill, someone who is going to be on plenty of waiver-wise. The Cavs have one quality game. They have three games in total. That Sunday matchup against the Hawks is going to be really good for Georgie Hill's value. So he is someone who I think can provide value for this week. Colin Sexton is not ready. There's a couple of Raptors guys that I think you should look at. DeLon Wright, Freddie Van Vliet, and my man Pascal Siakam, who looked brilliant in the preseason. I'm massive on Siakam. I think he's a guy that should be drafted in most situations and and grabbed off the waiver wire. I think he's got a pretty strong opportunity. Three games for the week, the Cavs, the Celtics, and the Wizards. They don't have any quality games, but... The level that these guys can play at three games versus two for some of these other players, they might be able to be useful uh, over some of these other guys who you might think, you know, I think Siakam and Van Vliet are both top 110 type of guys, whereas someone like Trevor Ariza for the Suns, who only has two games, I'd be much happier to put Siakam in or Van Vliet in in my lineup ahead of Ariza. Uh, on a lot of these situations. Nemanja Bielitsa for the uh, for the Kings is someone, again, a three-game week for them. Not great matchups, but someone to pay attention to who could jump up. And Carmelo Anthony, he might be on waiver-wise. 
Uh, go and have a look at him for this week. The Rockets have three games, pretty good matchups. Lakers, Clippers, and Pelicans. A Sunday game thrown in there to end the week, quality game. So Mello, if he is on your wave wire, this is a good opportunity to go and use him. He might be able to lock him. I think he probably will be able to lock him into a weekly lineup, and you'll get use out of him in a daily changes league as well. So I think that covers everything. Covered the injuries, news, rotation decisions, still some of that stuff to, to come, of course. How to look at this week one schedule. Tomorrow, we're going to be doing a DFS preview, covering other news as well. And a DFS preview for opening night, talking about the changes with late swap on DraftKings, uh, the FanDuel changes to their rules as well, going through some uh, Yahoo guys as well. And I'm going to try, still not 100% on this, but look at, uh, at sports betting as well with maybe just a best bet of the day. But we'll go through that in tomorrow's show. And then Wednesday, we're back with the regular show. We go through, we give out the awards, the monstrous line of the night, the young gun of the night, the waiver wire line of the night, the dud of the night. I tell a man's not hot. Bring in a couple of other awards, the Deep League Player of the Night, uh, some plus minus stuff for some advanced uh, type statistics. Not that that's all that advanced, but you know what I mean. Yeah, the best bet stuff, uh, going through each box score and talking about players and performances, what's sustainable, you know, what sort of moves need to happen, injury reports. And then we get into DFS uh, on each show as well, previewing every game, talking about the value yeah, salaries, how to construct lineups, GPP versus cash, yeah, best picks for each provider as well, and giving perfect DFS lineups. So that's how the shows are going to run. The player spotlight that I ran last season, that's going to be put into its own podcast, the Dynasty Specific Podcast, where I go in depth five, six minutes about one specific player. So that will be in its own separate show as we get into the player spotlights as the season's kicking off. I can't wait. Hopefully you can't wait. Subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. Go and retweet this, share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, tell your friends about the show. You've done your draft now, get them involved. Go and subscribe, go and leave a review. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube as well. Smash like or, or thumbs up, smash subscribe, turn on the bell, get your notifications. Lots happening with this channel. I think we're going to take the show even further this year than we have in the past. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball, Instagram locked on fantasy basketball. Also, guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Kyrie Irving.